0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
1: Welcome everybody back to the DomCast episode 17. I am here on a beautiful Sunday afternoon back with my co-host. How are you sir, NBA storyteller?
0: I'm great, I'm stuck in a car, but we're doing
1: this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you uh, for coming on, because it, it does look a little bit inconvenient today. But, uh, you know, hoops, anytime, anywhere, ball is life, the literal meaning. And, uh, yeah, we've got a couple of, well, more than a couple of good topics today. going to try to fit them in, in around an hour. Uh, I'm going to start with pretty much the most important thing to happen this week and kind of get your thoughts. Well, it was actually yesterday. Um, we have the first injury of it's like the first legitimate injury of lebron james's career i believe uh he's been out so well okay he had the groin in 2019 i had actually completely forgot about it's like the first time i've actually ever seen him in actual pain though the groin was just kind of like you didn't know what happened he stopped this is the first time i've ever seen him like crash to the ground type scary type injury um but he's out with possibly well not possibly it is a high ankle sprain high ankle sprains can run you like a month anthony davis is out indefinitely uh you can't rush him back because of the achilles it's an achilles scare so there's not a whole lot you can do with that the lakers are without their two stars uh two months before the playoffs probably and we have no clue when they're getting him back i don't know i'm just kind of laying out the situation here i'd like to get your thoughts on it um everything lakers everything lebron and ad injury uh kind of where it might go from here because the way, it's, the way it's shaping up right now, they could enter the playoffs at like a six seed if this goes really bad. So I don't know, just kind of your thoughts about the, the state of the Lakers right now. Do you remember uh,
0: uh, quite a few years back when the, I think it was the Knicks, they were, they ended up being the eighth seed um in one year, but it was mainly because of injuries they had. And I feel like that's happened a couple times. And I like when something like that happens. I don't, want anybody injured but when the playoffs start and teams aren't where they're supposed to be i mean we beg for for some sort of parity or some sort of um unexpected ability to happen uh and just not some not just not the inevitable so whenever we get an opportunity to have a team that clearly shouldn't be a lower seed entering in that place um I don't, I, it's tough to say that I like it because this is based on injuries, but I'm for it. And I mean, even the case, not even to just jump on the Warriors already, <laughs> just jump <laughs> right onto this topic. But, you know, with the Warriors' troubles and, and Steph kind of getting injured a little bit here and having, they've had a, a lot of uh, player problems or player issues. But if they're floating around in the eighth seed or having to get in in a, in a, um, a playing game. The Lakers are six. That's gonna be fun. I think it's something fun. It's something different. Um, I don't really necessarily have an opinion much about LeBron James and injuries. I, one of the biggest narratives of his career is how he doesn't get injured. But we, but he's found a way over the 37 years in the NBA to not play stretches of games. But then we don't attribute it to an injury. So, I mean, if this is the big moment where we all get to say, hey, this is an actual injury, maybe his body's breaking down or something like that. I don't think it's, it's really, it's not new. He's figured out a way to rest himself, which is all your body needs in order to maintain its health and not be injured. So, um, I don't, it's not as monumental as it may seem, I don't think. But he's had a good strategy to get to this point. Um, and it's obviously, you know, injuries are part of it. It's all part of it. It all counts. Um, but the man still gets the credit for being durable. Uh, and I I hope they fall to six or seven. I hope we see something interesting come playoff time.
1: So you're here for the chaos, basically. You're I'm here, here for the <laughs> chaos. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, because that's exactly what this is. It's uh, That's where we differ. It's not the chaos that I like because... This type of K I'll say this goes terribly with uh first option Kyle Kuzma, I believe this is gonna be. <laughs> Kyle Kuz and Trez and Schroeder, so as as the new big three. If this goes poorly, yeah, they are only what did I say, three games out of six seed right now. So we could end up in a scenario where the Battle of LA that we didn't get last year, that we've been waiting for, Kawhi, LeBron, Paul George, the big finale happens in the first round. Like that's a legitimate Isn't possibility. It-
0: Is anybody really waiting for that? Does anybody... Yes. Is anybody really (laughs) excited for the Clippers? You're not? I can't. It's something about it. I just can't get up for it. It's Paul George. It's something about... The thing is, with Kawhi Leonard as your main person, you know, obviously you're a strong team. You're going to go places you have a chance. But there's just... There's very little that's interesting about them. And every time we get some sort of matchup in the regular season, I don't know. There's just something that's infinitely boring about these clippers and i'm just waiting for something to happen for me to be interested in them that could just be me maybe i'm being superficial about this but there's something that is so vapid about the clippers even if they win
1: well let me ask you this did you feel that way last year because yes them losing and not giving us the big finale in the conference finals last year i felt like kind of took the air out of that supposed to be robbery that's how i felt coming into this season it's not i'm not as hyped for lakers clippers as i was Last year in the playoffs, um, but yeah. So is is that what it is for you? Is it that it didn't happen last year, and now you just don't care? Or did you? Just, were you? You know, you had non-Clipper interest last year as well.
0: I had not. Yeah, I had non-Clipper interest last year. I think Paul George. I think it's Paul George. I think him as if he's your number. If he's your number three, if he's your number three star, I think that's fine. If ah. He's number two. I think that I have, I have absolute, I have absolute zero confidence in him and it's nothing i mean he's a great person you know he's done a lot in his life um he deserves a lot of credit but i I will never tune in for a game other than those early uh pacers years but they had an interesting team they had an interesting group of of people and it wasn't just paul george it was a a group of people if paul george is your headliner i don't want to watch it and i already know what's going to happen and them failing last year was just proving myself right and i have nothing against the guy i really you know whenever i see somebody who has like kind of like that edge that lack of confidence or or self-doubt um and obviously had his issues in the bubble but i'll you know these just stem from the kind of person or the kind of mentality he already has i root for you i want you to overcome those things it's like kevin durant in the final moments before he went to golden state like right? things always just fall apart was fall apart from him. James Harden. These are the people that they, it's like they have some sort of self doubt. And in the moments they overthink themselves or something like that. And they just can never get over it. Paul George is that he is in that sunken place consistently. And I don't, I don't necessarily, I don't want to see it unless I'm just trying to watch it, you know, for the, for the pain. So just to watch the man go through it again. Fascinating. So anyway, uh, it's 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 almost just it's like it's a struggle watching him and I don't enjoy
1: it. Okay. Well, there's there's one there's one I didn't know. I, I knew about your like so then, pa- <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead.
0: So then how do you make Paul George even more interesting? Well what, put Kawhi Leonard in front of him? Like <laughs> who's gonna pull up from twelve feet away like is is that more exciting?
1: <laughs> okay, <laughs> like, so you're you're the, you're taking it from the standpoint of like this isn't uh, Entertainment. like personality-wise. This is not the this is not the NBL matchup for LeBron that I really care about. That's kind of your stance. No.
0: no, it's a hodgepodge thrown together of some of the least interesting like characters on the court. And I, but I, I mean, I respect Kawhi Leonard, and I think with a good cast, he's a perfect um, character, and and foil. Even I thought it worked great against the Warriors. You know, I thought that group worked great. It, uh, systematically just taking them down bodies and points all together. But LeBron James is a boring basketball player. He's mm. a terrific one of the greatest all time, but he's a boring basketball player. And LeBron begins, is boring? Yes, we can I can get we can go deep into that. I don't I didn't want to say it as bluntly as I did hey, right say now. It, say how happening.
1: you feel. Say how you feel the disagreements are great and for a, the great for the show. An
0: hour, an hour of evidence behind it which i'm compiling but <laughs> the lakers and the clippers is just nobody was i don't want to see that i don't i don't okay. want to see that.
1: I, I have questions but i'll go to the <laughs> one who, who Well, who is i don't even know if you want to see the lakers in the conference one like who do you want to see against the lakers who's interesting to you right now to see you know the lakers conquered for lebron and ad to come back from their injuries and uh you know work their way through the west who is that matchup that kind of like gets you going <laughs>
0: Well so, okay, so here's the thing. The Lakers as a team at full strength, I would watch. I would watch them. Um and I but it really just just based on this on their strength and, and I mean they are clearly a dominant team and they're they're coming off a championship, which I think is a valid championship. There are no fake championships. Every team was there and whoever won it that year won it. Um but I mean you look at a team like the obviously the nets are interesting maybe it's just i don't find a lot of teams interesting right mm-hmm. and it's just the combination mm-hmm. of players um i don't know i'd have to think about and we can we can check some of them off who are actually interesting teams to watch but who do, like really when you're when you're looking at the lineup of the games or who do you actually get excited to watch not just a good matchup or who's gonna win or who do you want to see like uh, you know come out on top of the, who do you want to watch all 48 minutes of, sit through the timeouts, watch it live? Who are those teams? What are the top three teams that you actually want to watch based on entertainment value or something exciting may or may not happen in that game?
1: Um, Off the fly. I mean, if you're talking about team entertainment value, obviously yeah. the Nets right now, definitely the Nets for obvious reasons, whether they have two of their big three or even if it's just Harden, uh, for obvious reasons, they would be up there. I would go... I would honestly... See, this is where it kind of deviates a little bit. Like, I wouldn't say the Blazers are, like, top three in entertainment for me, but I, I want to catch Lillard games. Like, I really want to see Damian Lillard games. Um, so, by extension, I guess the Blazers. I feel like I'm going to see something fascinating there. And uh, yeah, Steph has to be up there for me. The Warriors, even though the Warriors can again, I I, I just took your question. I just crumbled it because I'm going players. Um, because my problem with when I watch the Warriors is once Steph leaves the floor, I, I it's crazy. Like it's offensively, anyways. It's it's not something I really want to see. So they can be competitive in a game up until the point they ha- they have to sit him, and if he hasn't already gotten it going, then it's really bad. So um, but yeah, the I would I would definitely put them up there. But yeah, I I obviously. Uh, <laughs> I, I I will watch the LeBron video when it comes out with whatever evidence you compiled of him being a boring player. Oh, right? just being boring, yeah, yeah. I will watch that video because uh, the Lakers and LeBron just in general. Yeah, I've been watching him my entire basketball watching career, you know, back from when I was a kid. So uh, and that's again, that's where we totally differ because Lakers and Clippers. I get that it's not as interesting of a story this year. It's It really is not because we saw what happened last year. And even though the Clippers are doing well and they have been doing well at points this year, Paul George has, I feel like I said this in the first podcast. I'm just rehashing things now about how them and Giannis, once you fill in the playoffs, people are slightly less interested in what's happening in the regular season. And so, yeah, that kind of happened with the Clippers this year. But I still want to see Clippers and Lakers. I feel like that, like, when are we going to get this? Okay, I, I'm not, I'm not going to change your mind, but... It's less about, for me, Paul George, Kawhi and LeBron and more about like, when are we ever going to get this with the Lakers and Clippers? It does not happen. These two being elite at the same time, the Clippers are they're always been, they've always been little brothers and they rarely ever have. They're rarely ever in contention. We had the Chris Paul and Blake era. That was the closest they ever got. And so you bring the Kawhi and PG era in now. And oh, wait, these happen to be two of LeBron's uh, rivals, I guess you would say. Uh, Paul George from the early days in the Eastern Conference and Kawhi from his days with the Spurs. So I feel like it came together perfectly. And. We get to see these teams who have to play with the same crowd, which is why I was kind of let down. It was going to happen in the bubble last year, but we get that right. this year, and hopefully by the time this happens, I don't know, but you get to have some fans, so you can feel that. I just feel like there's, I, I guess that's the angle that I come in from, is that you can't recreate this anywhere. You can give LeBron a rival somewhere else. You can give like KD a rival somewhere else. But you can't recreate LeBron, Kawhi, Paul George in LA. The Clippers trying to win their first title ever, trying to have their first success ever. And Paul George trying to have his first success against LeBron. I don't feel like you could write that anywhere else. I don't know. I think the characters together there, I think they're interesting. That's that's the that's the angle that I take it from.
0: Okay. Okay. It, the, the sad the part is, it I have to be talked into it, then... <laughs> But I the thing is I get it. I get the weight of all of that all of the individual parts. Something just something coming together in a Clippers uniform that just feels stale. It just it's almost like a <laughs> ding on it. And you know you know what it, it also just feels temporary. And okay. Um it just feels it feels like it's of the moment and it's not necessarily something that's going to last. And we obviously don't get a lot of rivalries that last a long time anymore. Um but I don't I don't feel like Paul Jordan, Kawhi Leonard are going to be Clippers till they retire. I feel like this is a a the current jersey for the narrative that we just are begging for, you know, some sort of long-standing rivalry with LeBron. Obviously, then. And, and let me just clarify, LeBron has not always been a boring player. You know, I think <laughs> with the heat, that was exciting basketball. But. There's something about him settling into his position and the way that he dominates a game now that is effective and effective. Isn't always interesting. Um, and I, I get it. He's it's, he understands the long haul of the season and how, it, how, it, how it needs to go and how you need to get there. Um, including taking time off or I don't know. I mean, do we know we, we, we know about this injury, right? We know Not what it is.
1: High ankle sprain. Yeah. Which is generally I mean, like a month, maybe. But it's indefinite <laughs> right now. We don't actually know. It could be three weeks. We don't know.
0: But, I mean, I, I will watch the games.
1: I will watch the games.
0: I was just trying to go through some teams. You know, I'd watch a Nuggets game. There's something about the Nuggets. I, like, enjoy watching them. There's something about... There's something... Um, playful. Or... Um, just... There's there's more of a, a natural uh, um, joy in the in the game or playing that you see in some players, and just not kind of like a um, like a like a dead-eyed kind of just um, business approach to it, which sometimes some of these players just give off. Um, but crap, there was one thing I wanted to say. You brought up something that was really interesting. Um, all right, well, I'll have to come back to it, but there's something I really wanted to say about LeBron James and AD. God bless it. Okay, keep it moving. Keep it moving, please.
1: Yeah, I wish I I wish I knew what it was because I have no doubt it would have been interesting. Um, I was leading. I was,
0: I was leading to it. Because, yeah. yeah was like, okay.
1: <laughs> um. So, I guess to kind of cap this off, because well. This, oh, I go oh, I got it. got it. Great. Awesome.
0: People don't. I don't think we understand the full effect that having no crowd has on the game of professional basketball and the show that we're watching. And the whole aspect of playing to the crowd is playing to the audience at home. And and I've talked about the idea of how players actually in the arena, they play to the crowd. You know, there's moments where they're actually interacting with the crowd. And then there's moments when they actually interact with the camera, with the people at home. And I think that that's something that is desperately missed i mean not only are we lacking the interaction with the crowd we're lacking the interaction where people were they're finding the cameras and you know some players are finding it and it's kind of it's it's nice to see that they're still aware that it's a show and they're (laughs) surrounded by cameras when people give a look uh there was one that steven adams had a few weeks back i think he like uh blocked somebody's shot and he looked right in the camera like he was like because they called a foul on him or something, but he was right at the camera, like a little moment between us, like, oh man, don't call a foul on me. And it was great. And I love that kind of stuff. But the I, the idea that they're in a theater, um, I think it's something that LeBron really fed off of and enjoyed. And I don't know, we're not getting that. And it just looks a little bit more clinical across the board. I, there's also something to be said for players. You know, I think, what do we I have a record amount of players who averaged over 20 points a game right now? Like, just the amount of playing and the comfort that uh, players that typically might not play that well have, not having all that pressure on them. But, I'm, but that that's kind of a different angle to it. They can all be studied and pulled apart, you know, as the years go on. But the show angle, people aren't playing up to the crowd or the theater aspect of it. And I think it is, it hurts the show that we're watching. And I think that is a big part of, was a big part of LeBron's game, knowing that that was there. Um, and I think that is part of the reason I find finding some of these, some of these players, some of these teams a little more boring than they usually would be. That's okay. Yeah. There it is.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, I, I've seen people. Coming into this part of the season, basically saying they are starting to miss the crowds a little bit. I'm glad that I do get what you're saying, because as you were talking about the LeBron point, I had plenty of images and snippets in my head of him interacting with the crowd. And he said it last year before we knew how screwed we actually were. He was saying that, oh, if there wasn't a crowd like he he didn't want to continue. Like, I remember right. specifically saying that. Yeah, because he was like, I, I do this for the fans was how he put it. But um, there there was uh, there's definitely there's definitely a piece there. That's why I'm glad for the playoffs as we have another two months it looks like we're uh gonna at least be able to fill some of the arenas i think philly had a good amount of people last time la still didn't have like anybody i don't think um but yeah some people are some some arenas are already pretty much going off the hook with it so yeah i mean it's needed it is needed uh i enjoy basketball on a basic level so that's kind of how i've had to approach it this season knowing that uh the show isn't so much there like when you get a body like Anthony Edwards if the commentator can't carry it then it's just you know you gotta see if see it for what it was worth um but yeah yeah th- I think uh, I think we'll I think we'll be good going forward I understand what you're saying there though so the Lakers Anthony Davis LeBron James gone for an indefinite amount of time we will see what happens there uh, I have no fear of them falling out of the playoffs but it's it is just a strange thing right now because <laughs> I'm like, uh what? If you if he did come back in a month, that would be April twentieth. So then he would have to come back and work in with Anthony Davis. I have no doubt that the Lakers are probably gonna wanna load manage them both because you need them for the playoffs. They the Lakers run through them, the West runs through them. Um But I am I'm kinda curious about how you know, how good a shape they'll be in and Uh, What kind of chemistry they'll have? Because it's a tough West this year. It's a tough West. The the Suns are second seed right now, I believe. The Clippers are there. The back half of the West is ridiculous. Some team is probably going to be dealing with, like, Luka as an eighth seed. So if you get, like, first or second seed, that's your prize this year in the West. You get to play, you know, an MVP candidate at the moment right now. Um, So it's it's all going to be interesting to see how it works out. But, yeah, this is definitely one of the worst situations I've ever seen the Lakers in. Um, Speaking of... Somewhat shitty situations, I guess. eh, The Spurs are not a shitty situation. It's the LaMarcus Aldridge situation that's shitty. The Spurs are actually okay. They're getting younger. They've got exciting pieces. They're not a dumpster fire, even though their last plan didn't work out. But this this is perfect, because I've had Popovich written down, I think, since we started podcasting. Um, This is a topic—Popovich is a topic that you've taken up on your channel and videos and— Finally, this week, uh, the Spurs were in the news. Or I think it was last week. We didn't get the podcast. And the Marcus era is over. Uh, they are going to mutually part ways. I think Aldridge is going to end up getting like bought out. I'm not sure if with this contract, he'll be traded. But whatever the case is, when the Spurs brought him in, he was supposed to be pretty much part of like a superstar duo with Kawhi Leonard the Spurs were supposed to have their next, I don't want to say dynasty team, but their next contending team for however long. That did not work out. LaMarcus Aldridge is, we'll see what happens. You know, rumor has it, maybe Miami. Um, Anyways, though, I I saw you tweet something out about Popovich and LaMarcus Aldridge's relationship. And I don't know, I kind of wanted to, I, I wanted to get you talking about Popovich on this podcast, wherever that may lead, because... Uh, for disclosure, I am a—I uh, wouldn't call myself a Popovich fan, but I like the guy. I like the Spurs. I like what they've had going on. Um, but you—you clearly—you clearly have a bone to pick there. And uh, the as far as I'll go with the Marcus Aldridge and Popovich or whatever it is obviously marcus was not really the same player in san antonio he was good but he wasn't like blazers lamarcus and i thought we knew that was going to happen he was coming there with a lot of talent uh he was being put in on a team that was kind of already established so i kind of knew things were going to change a bit for him um but it didn't go great but either way yeah what what is your uh popovich and lamarcus aldridge and maybe even Kawhi leonard uh thoughts because we were talking about Kawhi a little bit earlier in this podcast and clearly you've gone in on this you did a whole video i believe so yeah you've uh You've clearly I think we got something here. I did
0: two. I did, I did t- uh, two really long videos on Greg Popovich and Kawhi Leonard. Ah, and <laughs> I, I don't have perfect recall of e- any of the my own crap I've said. Right, like I can't remember every detail. <laughs> right, so a right. lot of this is going to be general generalizations that not generalizations, not negatively, but based on things I know are pure facts because I did the research on these things and spent time, and I remember the, the feelings asa- associated with everything that I've said about this man, but um i have a question for you first do you feel that do you feel poppy's a little run down these days do you feel like he's what what's Dude, your I, take on him now
1: run down i wouldn't say like if you're coming from the end are you coming from the angle of like they just a person
0: <laughs> he looks like he's beat he looks like he's finished he looks like he's
1: i, I mean i don't coach watch enough so i don't If he looks, I mean, he's been in the game for a while. I had a tweet like two weeks ago where I was just thinking about the fact that he coached against Michael Jordan, and now he's coaching against Zion. It's a pretty long time to be in here, I guess. Especially as much as he's yelled and stayed on players and his style of coaching, I guess that might get a bit exhausting. He's also had some personal things he's gone through in the the last like three years or so. Um, But the Spurs are holding their own. They were almost in the playoffs last year. It looks like they're going to be in the playoffs this year. I. I, I I don't know if I look at him as a he looks like Popovich always looks like to me. He always looks very like stone faced and ready to uh I, I don't know Like even
0: physically, like you've seen him recently, you've seen those little commercials he's been in. Yeah. like the vaccine. He like yeah. he looks finished.
1: But like he dresses a little looks, different. I don't I don't see him in immaculate suits anymore. That's he's what got, he's I mean, he's I growing it.
0: his he's got his hair grown out long. Yeah. He looks run down and I, there's almost a level of sympathy that I might have for him where in this Lamarcus the Marcus Aldridge thing. I have m- mixed feelings about. I feel like there's a, a coming to grips with the reality moment that he's having where he may have held been held fast and held out. Maybe the Kawhi situation was a learning process for him, showing that he can't just by brute force get his way. Um, I... uh greg popovich can systematically end your career and he's done that before and there's this weird thing where older players would go to the spurs thinking that they could live out their twilight years in a productive system and and, and still be somebody i mean Pau gasol was on the spurs for like six years how long was he on the spurs
1: Damn, you I forgot. That? I forgot he was on San Antonio. I think it was like two, honestly. With, he went there and he barely Lamar played. I forgot all about that. Yeah, he absolutely was there for like a year or two, I think. And didn't I don't think he really played. Yeah, I forgot all about that. Yeah. He he was there. I totally forgot that.
0: Do you know Tracy McGrady was on the Spurs? Yeah,
1: I remember that one. I do remember that one. That was my guy.
0: There's something there's something like dark there that he they lure you in <laughs> And then he can just bury you. And some one of your terrific listeners here will can look this up in the moment. But trust me, here early on when Lamarcus Aldridge, in that, do you remember that summer or that year when he was deciding where to go or how it was going to work out? That was the big deal. It wasn't like, oh, you know, Lamarcus Aldridge is over the hill and you know he's going to go play out of last year's. It was a big deal. He had yeah. just come off. Dominant playoff performances for the pat the previous few years. He, I don't even remember when was he putting up 40 a game in the first couple rounds? Yeah, 2014
1: and against the Rockets, I believe.
0: It was gross how good he was at that point. And he was a prize. And they brought him there because they were able, they were gonna pair him up with Kawhi, right? And I don't know if it was the first year, but it went bad fast. And marcus aldridge was saying or his people were saying he was miserable yeah it was like was two years in, i remember
1: yeah
0: and it was and then there was a statement by the by by the management or the coaches that they had made a mistake because they tried to put him in a in a different position that he wasn't comfortable with they tried to make him a player he wasn't there was some very odd release about oh we made a mistake we tried to make him do this and we shouldn't have done, we should have just let him be himself. And I guess we're just supposed to say, okay, forget those two years of his career where he was at his peak. He could have been imposing his will on the league on, in a a lot of different capacities, a lot of different teams, but those, those years just disappear from the books. Right. And then after that, it's too late. Like he wasn't, I don't he wasn't in a position to reestablish himself. And the man who just disappeared, he was the and I have to find this and I promise you this statement exists where he was saying how miserable he was in that Spurs system or in that Spurs organization. And I felt so bad for him because they lured him there and everybody just believed it that it was a great situation and this was going to work out for him. And this was overlapping with the Kawhi situation which was just the 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 way the system tried to they tried to eliminate Kawhi and tried to slander him and I just remember this this is like the epitome of it it's because I always think whenever a basketball player like their uncle is representing them there's all this negative connotation for like oh well his uncle's representing his uncle there's all this Bad connotation with uncle being your main, the the voice of of a player. Obviously, it it, it just comes off as the person's trying to get over on everybody and get something for themselves. But Kawhi's main person was his uncle. And I remember there was a statement or something about, or Popovich said something about, oh, well, you know, his uncle, something about his uncle. I'm just like, you're really trying to frame this, like this kid, this guy, this kid, I'm falling for him. This man has no idea what he's doing. Or that he has improper representation and he doesn't know what he's doing in terms of Kawhi. And then um, it all led up to the point where I think they were in L.A. And Kawhi was supposed to have one more meeting with the Spurs. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, either the meeting lasted only a few minutes or it didn't happen.
1: I actually don't remember this one. Yeah, I I actually barely remember this.
0: It was like a final straw. This was after... Tony Parker and Manu Ginobili come out saying how, Oh, his injuries aren't that big of a deal. You know, I've dealt with more than him. Um, and the whole team, the whole system was just aimed directly at Kawhi and just, um, to deteriorate his image and, and to make it look like as if they were making bad decisions. And the only good decision makers were the people involved with the Spurs and the Spurs doctors. And we're looking out for you here. Um, but Kawhi held out and the strength of him and his family and his uncle got to, you know, uh, give uncles a good name again in sports. (laughs) But the way it worked out with that last meeting, it, it was the final straw. And then finally after that, that's when he he got traded to the furthest place in the world (laughs) from where he wanted to go,
1: Yeah,
0: which seems so petty. Everything about it seems so petty. And, Every step of that just showed Popovich and his his um, expectations that uh, his will would always win out in the end, and by force and the, the organization and just I guess just the assumption that we've all given him the benefit of the doubt that every mm-hmm. great decision that Pop every decision Pop has ever made is a great decision, um, even though he's clearly never been a good end of game coach um but this was a clear break in all of that that somebody could break away from that and look out for themselves and show that you know what the spurs aren't necessarily looking out for the individual here so then Lamarcus is stuck there he's already miserable they're not featuring him they're not pushing him i believe he got injured at a certain point and his career basically tanked from that point I think he clearly was still around. He wasn't. He was wasn't non-existent, but he existed just on the on the outskirts of, of relevancy. And that is a pure. That is an organizational decision. And we know they don't want or they don't want players outshining Popovich. I mean, there's, there's There's in one of the videos I made. There's a whole series of clips where Popovich is telling his players not to talk to the media, and you shouldn't be out there talking to them. Um, Meanwhile, that's his job. He's the guy who gets to be the face and say all the things. And and then obviously he gets to dress it up with something nice and political and say something great about, you know, humanity or, you know, you know, fuck Trump or something like that. He gets to say that and people go, oh, great. Oh, pop for president and stuff like that. <laughs> Meanwhile, he's really, he is, he is, um, he's taking everybody's voice Everybody's potential voice, and he's trying to be. He's trying to. Um, it, it, it's just control. That's all it is. And he and it was demonstrated with the Kawhi situation that you can't have final control with somebody who has a stronger will, or at least in that moment, or stronger focus or determination on what they want in their life. And it was clear that Lamarcus Aldridge didn't have necessarily the people around him or the will of his own. Um and he had that blanket trust in Pop, and now we're here. Where it's like the weirdest end of a, of, a, of, a, of, a, of a player-team relationship I've ever seen. Like, it really feels like that for them to put out a statement, like, well, we've come to a, a mutual agreement, this isn't gonna work out. You know how much shit has gone down for that to be the first thing they say about it? Like, the amount of things that have happened behind the scenes that somehow have not gotten out for that to be what actually gets out means things have been ugly. So I just really want to see. I, I can't wait till more comes out about it. Because somebody sticks up for LaMarcus. Or somebody in his camp actually comes out and says what's been happening behind the scenes. But, you know, thank, for for Pop's sake, LaMarcus has been quiet. He has not been talking. I don't, you know, but eventually a subcut has to come out. And it's going to be ugly, and you can mark my words, it's going to it's going to be detrimental. That, on top of more stuff that comes out about the entire Kawhi process, it's going to be a stain on Pop's career, and I think it's going to finally break through um, and just kind of tarnish the man's career. He's not mm. a saint. He buries people's career. You know what he said a long time ago? He said how he prefers foreign players as opposed to American players because American players aren't grateful for what they have. Like, can we can we just take the code out of that? Like, what do you who, what do you mean by American players, Popovich? And uh, anyway, so anyway, okay. That's my take on Greg Popovich. There's so there's there's so deep seated, like, stuff going on there, that we've all just fed into. That is gross. It's pervasive, and it's killing people's careers. <laughs> He's just and just tearing up their pocketbooks, just like eating into their their generational wealth for the sake of him, you know, being able to say, uh, you know, look like he cares about Black Lives Matter. You know, anyway,
1: what type of what type of response? Because pop is a fan favorite. What type of response did you get on those videos when you uh, let I'm assuming some of this stuff out in one form or another? Do you remember two? It was two, two, one. Was people saying, "Oh, okay, I see." And the other
0: one was fa- Spurs fans who just hated everything. <laughs> <laughs> like that was it. Those were the responses. People say, "Oh, I had, I didn't understand. I didn't see all this, this subversive stuff that was going on right below the surface." And the the other one was just Spurs fans um, who hated it, and that was fine. Like I expect that, but it, it's beyond ba- it's it's beyond basketball. It's control. It's right. It's the. It's who has the right to, to say what they want and be in control of the position, and that it. It really. A lot of it really comes down to that. That. That just throwaway line about foreign players are grateful for what they have.
1: Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like there's look. so
0: much there. I, you have, just slip I have to through. look some
1: Yeah, I have to look up. I have to uh, look more into that one. I honestly don't, I don't remember that one at all, but yeah. that's a, that,
0: I'm paraphrasing it, but it is the exact sentiment. Yeah. Where he went on about foreign players versus American players. Mm. Okay. Okay, pop. Where he sits around, sits around with accomplished um, veterans like Tim Duncan and looks at him and says, I feel like I'm your daddy. <laughs> says that. The man says that. And then he was did that. there's like this little tribute they did. It was it was Tim Duncan and Manny Ginobili and, and Tony Parker. They were sitting and and Greg Popovich was there, and they were all just reminiscing about you know, stupid shit. And he says, like they were going on this whole segment about him being a father figure, right? Mm-hmm. And just feeding into his little greasy ego. And he's he's just looking at him, and he just had to say it. He just says, "I feel like." like i'm 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 their daddy and then you you saw the other guys like tim duncan and it wasn't like oh that's funny that's great oh you're so right they just were like like just took it and that just says so much and i've used that clip so many times in different videos where he's like i feel like i'm their their daddy like let's say daddy like who's do you remember that time when somebody said to Kawhi leonard oh not Kawhi leonard kyrie irving where he they were like you know, has yeah, LeBron James yeah. been like the a interview. father he took yeah. it that way
1: yeah that's every what time, she said that's how uh,
0: I feel that's what every time they try to pull that de- father figure stuff with some coach I'm like most of these people have a father or have a father figure and this is a coach but there's that that old you know throwback just narrative of these being these these saviors and these father figures to people and he eats it up, and I've never heard the coach actually call themselves the daddy. And it's so gross. That's the second
1: so, one I'm gonna have to look up. Uh, I'm glad you brought one, up the I, big three. I,
0: I will send you links to both of those.
1: Yes, please, please. Um, I'm glad you brought up the big three. I was gonna, I was gonna ask. I don't, I don't know if I was gonna ask when it started, but like, did you feel that way during the Spurs' golden era when they were winning? So everything was kind of backed up. They were. Winning every other championship, basically, was were you in the background, like kind of, kind of looking at Popovich sideways, or did this was this more like the Kawhi era? It was the the Kawhi era. There
0: was something something distinct in the Kawhi era, and I it's in one of those videos. But there was some there was a very clear point where I was just you look somebody sideways, and you are like, okay, there is something else here. This is not this is not altruistic. This is not selfless. You know, Pop is not giving himself to the game and and it's not all about him. It just there was something a some statement where it was clearly all about Pop. Um and I you know, and it's we're talking about humans after 50 30 years of people literally calling him Pop <laughs> everybody. It It has to get to you and then at a certain point you believe that you're you believe your own hype and i think there's a certain point deep into you know into it before tim duncan retired before the the original big three was gone where he really bought into it that this was his doing that he did this um and maybe it was pure of heart before that but no, I wasn't some early adopter to this perspective that he's a you know a gross old man who shouldn't be around people. Um, no, that's that back then I, I'm pretty sure I had respect for him. I, I mean, I hated him because the Warriors have never had never. I think it was like last year the first time they ever beat them actually in in San Antonio. I know it was before that, but um, back then no, I uh, there, there was no because you had people like Tim Duncan. And I have a I have a a good friend who has a very clear uh, perspective on the Tim Duncan, Greg Popovich relationship. That I don't we we don't I'm not going to go into that right here, but it's a it's, it's a very clear comparison to another type of relationship. But Tim Duncan did a lot of his heavy his heavy lifting, a lot of his dirty work for him, maintaining that organization and just the 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 stronghold that he had on all those players what was that guys this was kind of a separate tangent who was that player there was a guy on the spurs they drafted him and he was really dynamic like he started dunking on people and they got rid of him quick
1: oh and, jonathan simmons
0: yeah the guy who came was from quick. yeah
1: he was like not a spurs player at all i remember that it was very distinct
0: he got rid of him so fast. <laughs> um, and you know what's also interesting? And this is just kind of an extra part. What's the guy? What's the big guy's name? Like eight-foot-tall, giant guy. Bo- Bobon?
1: Yeah, Bobon, yeah. Bo-
0: yeah, he yeah. He started doing like these little comedy videos or like little funny things when he's they got rid of him fast. As soon as he developed a person Was he on
1: was he on the Spurs? I don't remember. Yes! Right I yes. didn't remember that. Damn, he was.
0: He was on the Spurs. He started developing a personality like his own audience, <laughs> and they dumped him immediately. It's <laughs> like if somebody gets their own individuality, they say you're gone. And it's, you know what? It helps if you don't speak the language and you are a foreign player because you know what, you, your line
1: <laughs> is the organization. Oh my goodness. Boban
0: was serious
1: to me, so, yeah. Yeah, no, very fascinating Spurs slash Popovich takes. I don't have hot takes or hot opinions about it, because I've never thought too much. I haven't I looked too much into it. Um, But, yeah, the fact that I, I didn't even know Boban, I just didn't remember that Boban played there. Maybe it was, yeah, you know, I think in, if it was NBA 2K16, I could be having a false memory, but if it was 16 when he didn't even have, like, a face yet, he was, like, some giant guy that came off the bench and was a generic yeah that's that's one reason it wouldn't stick out in my mind at all but yeah he was also gone before i could really care about it so yeah. <laughs> um well i'm glad we're talking about coaches because we'll we'll be talking about one of uh popovich's disciples i guess oh, uh, yeah, this <laughs> next yeah. subject um we're not jumping straight into steve kerr because it kind of take you know it'd take a turn and come back to him probably but uh There's this thing going on in the Warriors community right now. And maybe you've seen it. I don't know how much you pay attention to NBA Twitter at all. Uh, But obviously, LaMelo Ball at this point in the season is the runaway rookie of the year. It's it's pretty much not close anymore. And the Warriors had a chance to draft him. They took Wiseman. Now, there's a train of thought where, for me, I thought it made sense to grab wiseman especially when you thought there was clay thompson there you got steph curry got clay thompson draymond green has playmaking responsibilities uh there, there's then you have jordan pool now that people are catching on to i guess last year when everybody was injured he, he looked good and he's he's doing well right now so like you have a lot and there's an argument out there that you can never have enough like shot creating or you know ball handling playmakers there's that thought But when you're a team like the Golden State Warriors who are, or when Klay Thompson was healthy, we were saying these are contenders this year. Yeah, I I feel like you kind of draft the player that you think you can actually get the most out of. I didn't really feel like they could get the most out of the middle ball, so I don't spend time beating the Warriors up for, and especially because Wiseman is super young. I don't even, his college story, he barely played college basketball. He came in in this COVID uh, season when he had COVID, so he didn't get the training camp or some or any of that. So I think Wiseman is going to be really bright, but people have gone on the uh, the hot takes now that the Warriors should have drafted Lamelo and they've made a gigantic mistake. And uh, I see a lot of Golden State. I see a lot of people kind of eating their own over there because, uh, yeah, the, they're I don't say they're giving up on Wiseman, but uh, there, there's a lot of anger. And in uh, the week that we didn't record. He was benched because of the COVID test or whatever. Now he's health and safety protocol. So, yeah, Wiseman is, is going to be a developing thing. Anyways, um, I kind of wanted to know your thoughts at this point in the season in drafting Wiseman over LaMelo because of the way things have turned out or, you know, what you thought they should have done at the time because I thought the Wiseman draft pick made sense. And I think next year when people are healthy and you've got a starting lineup of Curry, Clay, Wiggins, Dre, and Wiseman, I think that I think that works. I think people would be happy with it. But uh, yeah, kind of where your head is at with that right now. And then we'll get to Steve Kerr somewhere along the line with that, because the the, the whole story with that was him benching Wiseman. And I forgot who they were playing, but it was a game they definitely could have used him. And then he didn't put Wiseman in until the very end, I believe. He put him at the end of the game and then Wiseman put up great numbers, but they were already getting blown out. Um, but in the playoff race, you you absolutely need him there. But then also, how the hell do you miss a COVID test? I don't know. It's it's screwy. So why is and Lamelo first, and then you know we'll go from there.
0: Well, um, I'm fine with it. I think it's a fine pick. But I, I I feel like in history there's been a lot of fine picks that years later you look stupid for, <laughs> and everything looks <laughs> obvious obvious later. Where, I mean, there's the most obvious one, which is. Sam Bowie, right?
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, being drafted
0: over Jordan. And you look at that moment back then, it made perfect sense. So there's, but when you're dealing with the, when you're dealing in the best of the best, when you are the peak of whatever it is, you know, Olympic swimming, or, you know, uh, um, national badminton championship, like, I don't know, you're looking at the best of the best where people's ceilings are as high as as the sky, right? You don't know. It's not like they can go to some higher league. This is where people enter and ascend. You have to think historically. And I think you should take historical chances and not always (laughs) think, well, what's going to fit right now? Because that's not how it works. Um, But I still, even with that situation, I don't know what is LaMelo's ceiling. Like, what's his ceiling? Like, what is the best that these could be? You know, like, what is this? What is it? Because a lot of people are great as rookies and second-year players and don't contribute to a championship team at any point in their career. Um, and Or maybe they have long-standing, you know, multiple all-star years, but the team... They could have had them really just needed a solid center. that could do, you know, 12 and 12 for five years in a row and get them two more chips. Like, I think the Warriors are in a very unique situation where they they, they need to deal in the now. Mm-hmm. And finding a piece for now, meaning, you know, obviously not now, but next year, you know, when everybody's back, is more important. I, I think their historical ceiling... Their um their their chance to to be associated with all time greatness is already on their plate. It's here. So you don't need to you, you don't need to cons- you've already made that, you've already attached yourself to to something that could be um great so I think being reasonable this one time made sense and it's not even that it's a bad decision like he's not a bad player he's not a bust already no way so I think that's a lot of that is just people getting ahead of themselves because they don't know what else to do and I think people Warriors fans are just we're just like anxious that's all it is we just we really just don't know what to do with ourselves right now because we want to be great but then anybody who's been a fan more than you know six seven years has this the, this hole where we expect failure, right? It's still there. <laughs> mm-hmm. for, and that's the thing. There's a lot of Bandwagon Warriors fans, and I support Bandwagon fans. To the I genuinely support Bandwagon <laughs> fans. I think the NBA would be nothing without Bandwagon fans. That's a fun I one. Think, I think if your team is good, then you should welcome the Bandwagon fans because you know what? It means your team's actually good for once. Welcome them to the party, please. What do you want? Like two people at the party? Like that's it? Like welcome people. Come on. That's where you get the new excitement from Everybody else is burnt down from losing so many years like just you need fresh blood so, okay, but with Wiseman He he's a good player and you see flashes and unless something strange happens like COVID You know, he's a, becomes like a COVID long hauler where he just has like uh, <laughs> perpetual pneumonia for the next 12 years which who knows like i yeah. swear who at that? this moment yeah who was that who was that um jason tatum was he the one who said that he still has he still has trouble breathing or something or
1: yeah he said he still struggles with he... the effects yep
0: i'm telling you man there's some there's some dark stuff that we don't even we haven't even clocked yet yeah where absolutely i mean in draymond it's like draymond this whole year has been talking about getting back in shape like and I've been watching who is a who do I see who feels like I can, they can't jump as high as they used to jump. Donovan Mitchell feels like he cannot get up like he used to get up.
1: Oh, and by the um, way, speaking of Draymond, I saw you, you were you one of the people that's upset that he isn't shooting these days or that G- shoot. shoot? You're talking about his confidence. I, I've seen
0: Steve Kerr five five years ago this was the game this was early. this might have been around the game the this, the thunder game the you know Steph Curry half court you know bang bang shot he uh this was Steve Kerr was yelling at him to stop shooting he said uh, he told him he were not a shooter
1: oh the halftime and, incident
0: yes and and Draymond yelled back at him like I'm not a machine or something like that and yelled at him and that's the day Draymond lost his shot it's never been the same I don't know. I, it's been incrementally worse every year. And the form, every part of it has gotten uglier and uglier. And I knew it when it happened there. I was like, man, you can't do that to somebody who's already iffy. You know, <laughs> but he had confidence. He had confidence in his shot early. And how much basketball is just believing it, right? You can talk to Paul George, right? You just have to believe that you can make that shot at the end in order to take the shot. If you don't believe you can make it, then you're going to be questioning whether you should take it. And if you're questioning whether you can take it, you're not going to make it, right? Or you're going to pass it or something's going to be off. You have to be so obsessed in your confidence and your ability to make these shots that you believe you're the one person in the world that can do this at the end of the game while there's 20,000 fans and millions of people watching you and everybody's paycheck and teammates are watching you and believing in you. You have to be so like psychotic and obsessive that or just self-centered that you think you're the person to take it and that's what you want somewhat in your players and if some coach can stick a little wedge between you and your confidence saying hey you're not a shooter you know you're not a shooter don't shoot that your coach says that to you don't shoot that i don't care who you are you're it's gonna stick with you and it'll eat away with you i'm gonna reference something very old there's a very and I've been me I've been trying to figure out a way to get this in a video. Um, mm. There's do, do you you know Seinfeld the show?
1: I've heard of it. I don't know anything about it, but okay. I've heard of it. Yeah.
0: All right, this was a great show. I caught most of them in reruns, but Seinfeld is a great show. There's a show where the whole the whole bit was that this guy was a, a bad at breaking up, right? Mm. Um, and every girlfriend that he ever broke up with would come back and try to stab him, right? He was oh. so bad at breaking up that they would be so angry and they'd come back years later and try to kill him. And then so the main character, like he's date she's dating this guy and he goes to break up with her and she's like, all right, let's see it. Like let's see what this famous breakup thing is. And he just looked at her and says, Your nose is too big. And then he got up and walked away. And then that was it. And she's like, that's it? That's it. But then over the episode she just got more obsessed over this idea that her nose was too big. And then eventually she found him in a restaurant and stabbed him with a fork. Nice. And the it's like just the littlest thing can just eat away at somebody's confidence. You just pop you just point out one little flaw in somebody's face that nobody else really likes to mention and just say it out loud and they are going to hate you for it and never stop thinking about it. And Steve Kerr did that to Draymond Green at such a pivotal moment in his career. And it has never it's never he's never gotten back to it. He doesn't even like to shoot. Yeah. And it, it I mean you could track that. Like, that's one of the things that I believe in deeply, that that is that is a case where a coach broke a player's part of his game. And Draymond has doubled down and tripled down into the aspects of the game that aren't shooting because he is great at those. But you can't be a great basketball player if you aren't... If When you're wide open, you're not a threat. You know, it's like the Tony Allen problem. Tony Allen problem from later in his career. Running around talking about all defensive player of the year or whatever it is while the warriors were basically playing four, playing four out five
1: that is uh, how they great. came back in uh 2015 right is that is that the adjustment they made was basically ignore, yes! to, ignore tony allen okay yeah because i just made a steph curry video and i was i didn't go deep into the yes. 2015 grizzlies series but the grizzlies were up to one and i mentioned the adjustment <laughs> but i didn't exactly remember what i read the adjustment was because it, it was a long page in a book i read and that was the adjustment just Ignore Tony Allen. <laughs> that That's great. Um, but, yeah, no, and ignore Draymond Green became a thing. So it's funny that you point out the, the Steve Kerr halftime thing, because uh, over the years, as you guys got Kevin Durant, I do remember there was that very clear separator. It was 2016. It was OK. If there's anyone on the floor, you would rather shoot the ball. Of course, it's Draymond. But he even in the game seven of the finals, I believe he was hitting pretty well it was it wasn't yes. it wasn't ignore Draymond but as Kevin Durant got there it was the weirdest thing it was all of a sudden okay now we first of all we have to ignore somebody cuz you have three of the like universe's best shooters ever here uh but they were happy to ignore Draymond. And I remember they were like playing him in the paint. And it just got, I, I guess that goes to your confidence as well. First, your coach says, don't do this. Then you see guys under the rim. When you have the ball in the perimeter, that probably doesn't help. And it's been kind of like this slow thing that's gone on to where now in this season, Warriors fans are pissed because he doesn't shoot the ball when he's wide open. So it's gotten to that point. Um, But that, that very much helps us get to Steve Curry here as we uh, begin to wrap up a little bit. Cause I've seen uh, like Popovich, you've had, Bones to pick with Steve Kerr I guess And that's, uh, I I like to hear it Because I've always Looked at the Steve Kerr Transition era from Mark Jackson basketball and him taking Some of the things that Mark Jackson left Like defensively and then adding on A lot of his own offense and helping Unlock the best parts of their game so I've always Thought Steve Kerr was more useful than people Gave him credit for in terms of getting them To that next level Uh, But it's, and this is, I'm gonna write Down coaches because this is like a just topic for a different podcast I, I guess with Kurt's a little bit different like I always have this question of like how do people judge coaches because it seems like if a team is winning this said coach is a good coach for that team and then if that team is losing this coach sucks so right now like I saw Pacers fans hated Nick McMillan last year And now he's with the Hawks and they're undefeated. Now Nate McMillan is being heralded. Now, of course, different organization, different players. There could be a lot going on there, but that's just just an example of what I'm talking about. Anyways, with Steve Kerr, he's always kind of been caught in the middle because he never really got all the the success and or the all the praise that comes with being the coach of a winning team because obviously uh, Steph and these generational shooters then KD comes so a lot of people were like oh anybody can coach this Luke Walden coached it for how many ever games that was when he was gone um so he's always been kind of in the middle there but I yeah now that they're now that they're like a play-in team at this specific okay. moment Uh, possibly not going to make the playoffs. People are angry with some of the sets that happen now where they're not getting Steph enough looks early in the game or they're not unleashing him early enough in the game, and people are getting more and more frustrated with Kerr. Now, I'm not exactly sure if that's your issue with him right now or what it is, but I do remember having seen you, uh, well, really shake your head when I brought him up a couple of weeks ago in a pod, so I assume there was something there. (laughs) Uh... I'm Okay, so let me ask you, What is Steve Curry a genius? Is <laughs> Steve Curry a genius? I w- yeah, I mean, a genius. I don't know if I'm going to go as far as a genius, but I do think that the 2014 Warriors had a lot of the same players that the mm-hmm. 2015 Warriors had. Mm-hmm. And I think there were great things Curry did. Uh, Draymond, I believe, start, he, be, he started out a necessity for you guys because David Lee was hurt. That was how I yeah. remember it. But he yeah, also absolutely. did take Iguodala and ask him to come off the bench, which... This was Iguodala only a few years removed from being an all-star. I thought that was a pretty big move, and then uh, changing the offense a little bit. I thought Curry, uh, yes, yeah, I was about to say Curry. Curry's off-ball became better under Steve Kerr. Uh, I, I don't know if it's a genius thing, as much as he came in there and saw some ways to tweak and improve, and he did it. Um, but I, I don't know if I'm gonna, I don't know if I'm gonna say genius. I thought that Steve Kerr. Okay, good.
0: So I thought that Steve Kerr, um, when he came in. He had like coach by committee approach and he did something really interesting. He started calling his and I don't know how I don't I don't know how often they do this with other teams, but they didn't have assistant coaches. They had associate head coaches. Right. Everybody was an associate head coach. Okay, And, you know, Ron Adams, a defensive coach and all these people like they had a team of people. And over the years, you found you there was certain players, certain coaches that would work with individuals more. It was like, it was a whole front. It was a, a team of coaches. And over the years, it feels like it's just thinning out into a traditional head coach. And what, he's, what he wants is how it works. Um, or at least that's the way it is. Gets blamed, or the blame gets laid out. Um, it's a tough thing on an ego, right? Like to have all that success, and then to not have success, and then to struggle. It's probably the hardest path of a career to come in and have the the pinnacle of success, and then start start the slog. Start to figure out how to make a team win. Um, I think there's something that happens in sports where a coach loses the locker room where you just gotta identify it um when people start looking at you sideways and don't respect you as much um and i think that's what's special or ind- uh, unique about sports is that you know i don't care how good of a coach is once they lose the rock locker room you kind of got to get rid of them um i don't think you regain the locker room and i think once players don't respect you as much or don't trust you as much, I think you got to move on. And that's a situation you said, like Nate McMillan, sometimes it just isn't working out in that particular relationship. And I think that coach's relationship, it's so far beyond just the X's and O's. It's just the ability to motivate the players. And if you just can't motive them with the same old bullshit you say on the sidelines, every time I love listening in to some of that stuff where they, they you know, even though they don't let us ever hear the real, um, play devising or anything from the coaches when it's like you know inside tracks or something but they do will hear their little rah-rah speech um you you'd think that these guys were really good at it in the nba and at, at motivating people or saying something special and i know i'm a little all over the place with this answer but there's a clip from Derek fisher before he got fired from the knicks And it was something about like, hey, they put on their pants the same way we put on our pants. You know, oh, it's just basketball. Just play the ball game or something. It was something really corny. And everybody made fun of it, right? (laughs) And like, it was like this marker of, gosh, this guy's a horrible coach. And then I remember in the bubble, there was a clip of Frank Vogel um, saying some very similar stuff. Like, hey, guys, it's just one leg at a time. Let's go do this. Be a team. Go play ball. And I'm just like, man, what we consider a good coach or a serviceable coach and who we will mock to death as a waste of time is very subjective. Like, we don't really know what makes a good coach. And it's not, yeah. it's clearly not the rah-rah part, you know. Um, and there's also a clip. I remember there's a clip, I think it was, mark jackson's last series against it was the playoffs versus the clippers and there was some part in there where he was trying to motivate the team to go out there and do something and it just sounded you know like corny like from like
1: you deserve this you deserve this that that one yeah yeah Yeah. yeah. Okay. you deserve yeah. it yeah yeah i remember that one i was thinking about that as i was doing the last video yeah
0: okay <laughs> oh good I, I, is that video out did you dropped that yet
1: uh, yeah, part one is. Curry's okay. career story oh. is really, really long, so I had to break it into two. Okay. <laughs> yeah.
0: I, I will be enjoying that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. I might, maybe i am playing right home or something.
1: Yeah. 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 <laughs> um,
0: yeah, it's like, I don't... So then what is it that makes a good coach, right? Is it that the players are actually listening when you say the corny stuff, or are they rolling their eyes? And there's so many times where you see people around them and there's some of the key players who just looking the other way like, well, where, at what point do you lose a locker room? And at what point is the strategy the point, or is it that nobody wants to listen to you being the point? Um, I don't think Steve Kerr is doing anything revolutionary, revolution, re, re, uh, revolutionary with the team. And I think the more people, the more educated people are about strategies and, and, and play calls and, and just the way things are so easily broken down, there's been a demystification of Coaching and play calling, and how to actually make a team effective. That there's a lot of very smart people around basketball that can devise offenses that work very well. So, what is that missing piece that makes players want to listen to you? And i I feel like Steve Kerr is a he had that new car smell. Mm-hmm. And there was a the magic in the town ta- in, in Oakland and they it was it was it was a timing thing. I don't know if he's the guy to get a team who's not playing well or has a lot of trouble to stay motivated. He seems apathetic. He seems like somebody who expects things to go well because they have. And I know he had some trouble, you know, when he was in the front office with the sons and stuff like that, but whatever it was he was the gm or something yeah Phoenix. the sons
1: i believe yeah yeah
0: yeah but i feel like there's something that we all expect of him because he's been around so much greatness and he is one of Papa pop's disciples that he when he's around there's greatness right and right now i don't i don't think he's the guy that's going to get you from the bottom back to the top um I'm not just saying dump him, but I really appreciated a team effort. I mean, the man had the players coaching a few years ago. Do you remember when he had he let the players coach the team? Not during games?
1: Particularly, no.
0: He let he let Andrea Godalla coach a game. Oh, okay. So this, this was a couple years ago when Katie was still around. It was yeah, like last year that yeah, he let he let the players coach. I'm saying, like, that's a great idea, but at the same time, there's a reason you're doing that, <laughs> and that's just to, to generate new interest in something different, because people are getting bored of hearing your voice, and I think that's a serious, a, a relevant issue in professional sports. If your players are bored of your voice or sick of your voice, you can't get that back. You can't get it back. I think that's where you are. I think we're, that's where Steve Curry is, okay. and it's only a matter of time, um, but... You got somebody, it's just like Tim Duncan. If Greg Popovich has Tim Duncan, his system works. And as long as Steph Curry is not making noise about it or not complaining about it. I mean, we saw Steph Curry have to go out of his way a, few, a, a mm-hmm. week or so ago. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if people understand how big of a deal that is. I think they do understand.
1: Yeah, because that's like, the first time I've ever seen Curry like. He ever. even he even looked like he was straining to actually like yeah. yell at his teammates. Like it looked like a looked like it was physically difficult for him to do because he doesn't do it. Yes. it <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: No, that that what that is that what did you take away from it?
1: Yeah, this is uh, yeah, shit's getting real. Basically, um, you know, like Curry's held it together great this year. Like to full transparency better than I expected because when you go through everything that he had over the last what five six years reaching now you do begin to wonder like I, first of all I didn't think he was gonna be averaging 20 points on like 37 percent or anything like that but I did wonder if teams start just are able to triple team him without fear how does this work out and he even exceeded my expectations but I remember one time when, uh, it was the end of Kobe's career, and he said, Because, uh, you know, Kobe always kept that... He always kept that confidence up in that veil up, so he was playing with goddamn D'Angelo Russell and Julius Randle. And he was like, oh, yeah, I expect to win a championship this year. Why, why shouldn't I? And then, like, halfway through the season, it came down. He was like, look, man, I can't look at a cat and tell it to bark. I, I know what time it is here now. <laughs> <laughs> and I never forgot that because I never forgot that. It was the first time I seen Kobe actually just say, I recognize this situation. I recognize that I can't defeat this one. And so, you know, seeing Curry strain to yell at his teammates, he almost still looked like he was smiling while he was doing it. Like, he didn't want to be doing it. It's... Uh, he, he's been put in difficult positions this year, and he has exceeded the expectations, I think, of many people, but reality has hit that this team is likely a play-in team injuries and no injuries right I mean, well obviously not talking about clay thompson talking about the roster that's here Uh, with the roster that's here this is a play-in team probably like seventh or eighth seed he's not accustomed to it but i think he was also realistic about it um but it does catch up to you when you are literally the entire offense we've called steph curry the system before but uh, when he's not there now, there's nobody else dependable. It's it's really it's it's really ratchet, and so uh, yeah, seeing seeing him seeing him have that coaching moment, I was like, wow. First of all, I just had nothing in my head to compare it to. I've never seen stuff like that. Uh, it just put you know just kind of put into perspective what situation he's in this year and what situation the Warriors are in this year. And uh, I mean, God, you know, he's still in his prime. He still wants to win. And when Clay comes back next year, they will probably be right back in condition because we see guys can come back from Achilles injuries now and. Uh, yeah you know he's he's still in the middle of he's still in the middle of his, his his trying to win phase and he has another part of his career to author i think and uh, so that passion is there i mean i like it because the passion is there it's not just that he's not just chalking the season up you know even if they are going to get to the first round and get gentlemen swept by the jazz or whatever or getting beat like, you know, stuff is uh stuff is stuff that's pretty much what and and
0: steve kerr's breaking clipboard trick <laughs> not gonna work more. Right? Not this
1: time. Yeah, run, he's not, run out of tricks. Yeah, got yeah. tricks. Tell me this. Uh, so, since we talked about coaches, should I, for the future, write Phil Jackson down, or do you not have any Phil Jackson thoughts?
0: I feel like I should have Those Jackson thoughts, but I, I, I don't. Uh, I'll put it would love, love to hear your thoughts on Phil Jackson, and, and and dig into those. But write them down. But that's gonna, that's going to be a dumb-led conversation.
1: Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, we'll get. We'll definitely get. We'll definitely get to Phil one day, um, but for now we have reached the end of this podcast. I said I was gonna try to keep it at about an hour today. Um, I thank you for toughing your way through this in the car. P- there, people aren't gonna see this one because I had already planned to use gameplay footage for this podcast anyways. But you have got quite the setup here. You've got the it looks like the SUV. Oh yeah, the vertical cam. <laughs> yeah, we yeah, thumped yeah, it out yeah. this time. Um, so as always, this podcast is on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I was moving it to a new network last week, so that's why I kind of disappeared. If you use the links that I have in the comment section and description, it will be there. Uh, Storytellers channel link is always there. I recommend you go check out his new video on commentators. That was I enjoyed that one. Oh, way. yeah. That was, thank <laughs> you. That, that, was uh, that was a fun one with Stacey King completely drowning out his partner. I have no clue who his partner is, but yeah, that was there was great points made there. And uh, yeah, we will see you all on podcast 18. Thank, thank you for uh, coming through today. So it's
0: Thank you very much for having me.
1: Absolutely.